I love giving, I love, I love seeing students lead the way. Man, I love it, don't you? I love it. I love it when they step up. Uh, and uh, did you know they were singing about revival? Did you know that there's never been a revival in the history of Christianity where students didn't either lead it or play a significant part of it? And God just seems to start it there first and lead it strong there. And so, uh, so man, I, 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 love, uh, I love giving them the opportunity to step up and do this. Now, they will actually uh, be with us uh, also next Sunday for Mother's Day. They had already planned to be uh, a part of our Mother's Day service for uh, quite a while. This was just something that came about. Uh, so they will actually be with us again next Sunday. Uh, speaking of that, before we jump in, so next Sunday is Mother's Day, all right? Mother's Day at Summit is always a really fun day. Uh, we're going to have free family uh, photos. Uh, that's going to be a big deal. It's always a really big deal. So you can bring your family, relatives, and everybody, and you can get a free family portrait taken. That'll be available for you. Out there in the lobby is going to be a candy bar where uh, all the ladies can go and get your favorite candies and stuff like that, all kinds of good stuff. And uh, we're giving away a $50 gift card to a restaurant of your choice uh, if, uh, if you win so that we can buy lunch. Either you can use it on Mother's Day or a week after that for your family. And so that's going to be a really, really, really big day, Mother's Day next week. Now, the week after that is Graduation Sunday. Now, here's what you need to know. If you have a middle school, high school, college graduate, Okay, we are that morning, uh, we are that morning really wanting to honor our graduates. At 9.30 in the morning in our multi-purpose room in our Summit Kids area, we're going to have a graduate breakfast. Now, here's what we, you need to do. If you want to be a part of the graduate breakfast or if you want to be a part of the graduate recognition part of that service or if you want to do both, you have got to sign your graduate up. You can do that on our app. Right now, if you open up the Summit app, click sign-ups, you can see something that says uh, Graduate Recognition Sunday. You can sign up there or on our website. But you have got to sign up to let us know how many people you plan on bringing to that breakfast. Okay, and you can bring as many people as you want, but we just need to know. And we need to know uh, if your graduate wants to be part of the, the ceremony that morning here. We're going to give them a gift. Uh, but we need to know who they are. Okay, middle school, high school, college graduate. Uh, we need you to let us know who they are and what they're graduating from. Well, I've been going to this church for a long time. You just ought to know. Honey, we don't. Sugarfoot, we just don't. Okay, so we need you to tell us. Uh, we need you to tell us about your graduate. All right, you can sign up and let us know so that they can be a part of that really special Sunday, May 21st. All right, hey, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm 56. All right. Psalm 56 is where we're going to be at uh, this morning, and so uh, I'm going to pray, and before we dive in uh, to what God might have for us, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. So let's, let's pray real quick. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, right now, we just pause, we stop, and we ask that, God, you would open up our eyes and that you would open up our minds to you. And Jesus, that you would speak to us right now. God, this is a time we do it every single week, and the temptation would be to take that for granted. Well, here's another sermon. Well, here's another set of songs. And, and we, can, we can, if we're not careful, kind of come in and come out and not, not realize what we're doing. God, that we have gathered here today to hear from you, to worship you, because you are worthy of it. 
And so, God, I pray that you would wake us up to you right now, God. Whatever you want to say to any of us, say it loud. Speak into our lives today, God, as we talk about fear and anxiety. Jesus, have your way in this place today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we started our mini-series that we're actually finishing up today. We are in a mini-series called Fight. And what we did last week is we talked about depression. Now, if you missed last week, and last week we got all kinds of feedback and response from last week. Um, Dana's video uh, was carried a lot online uh, this past week. If you missed her story about uh, her fight with depression, man, you can go to, uh, I think you can actually watch it on our app. You can check that out. But last week we talked about depression, and today we're talking about anxiety. Now, here's what I wanted to know a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were putting this together. I wanted to know what the difference is. Because a lot of times we, we lump those things together, right? We say, we say anxiety and depression, depression and anxiety. We, a lot of us, we, we lump those things together. But I wanted to know what, if anything, is the difference between depression and anxiety. And so I, I read several things. And basically, to sum it up, here, here's the difference uh, that a lot of people say is between uh, the difference between anxiety and depression. Anxiety is a fear of the future. Okay, we don't, we don't know the future, but, but we are afraid of what could potentially happen. So anxiety is a fear of the future. Depression, depression says whatever the future is, it's bad. Okay, we're not even afraid of the future. We, we don't need to be afraid of the future. We've already laid the verdict down. The verdict is whatever happens in the future, depression says it's bad. So anxiety is afraid of what if, what might happen. Depression says it doesn't matter what happens. It's going to be bad. And that's why you need to isolate. Some of you, that's why you just need to end your life because it's going to be bad. So, so there's kind of the difference, all right? I, I read an article uh, last week that talked about 12 signs that you might have an anxiety disorder and need to see a doctor. And so let me just read these 12 signs to you really quick. Here's the 12 signs that you may have an anxiety disorder. You need to go to the doctor, read through these. Here they are. Excessive worry, sleep problems, irrational fear, muscle tension, chronic indigestion, stage fright, self-consciousness, panic, flashbacks, perfectionism, compulsive behavior, and self-doubt. Now, based on that, I'm just going to go ahead and diagnose all of us with an anxiety disorder and say that there's Prozac at the welcome table for everybody. Okay? All right? But, but here's the deal. Everybody in some way, shape, or form struggles with anxiety. Everybody at some, in some way, shape, or form struggles with fear and maybe the way that it comes into your life and it might be triggered by something at work, school, at home, whatever it is. Maybe it's the kind of anxiety and fear that you can just kind of get through, right? I mean, maybe, it's, maybe it takes a couple of days to get through, but maybe it takes a couple of hours, days, but, but some people, the kind of worry and fear that they struggle with, it's just the kind that eventually will Past that you can just get through, but then there's a, oftentimes for a lot of people the kind of anxiety that does not end, kind of anxiety that seems that's just overwhelming, the kind of anxiety that just seems to never stop, and you don't know what the trigger is, you don't know why you're 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 crying uncontrollably, and and, and if you're honest, sometimes you feel like you're crazy. And one of the reasons that anxiety can make you feel that way is because anxiety asks questions that no one can answer, right? Anxiety will cause you to ask questions that no one can answer. Well, what if they don't make it? 
What if I don't get this job? What if I lose the job that I have? What if my kids don't turn out the way that I hope that they will? What if we don't have enough money after we retire? What if things don't work out? What if they don't get better? And here's the deal. No one can answer those questions. You say, well, Mark, God can answer those questions. Yeah, he can, but you can't. And you, you, you take that, and then you add on top of that, that if you're a follower of Jesus, and I hear so many people talk this way and ask me this kind of question. If you're a follower of Jesus, something inside of you or somebody tells you, well, you know what, if Jesus is really in your life, you wouldn't be that afraid. Oh, well, you know what, if Jesus was really alive inside of you, then you wouldn't struggle with that kind of anxiety. You wouldn't struggle with that kind of fear. And if you think that, or anybody's ever told you that, or you've thought that, I have really good news for you today, and it's something that I really want our church to know, because what you need to know, you need to know that the Bible was written by people who were afraid to people who are afraid. You need to know today that the Bible was written by people who fought anxiety to people who fight anxiety today. There isn't a person you can point to in the Bible that did not fight some form of anxiety. There isn't a person in this book that did not, in some way, shape, or form, fight fear. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Joshua. And when you read the book of Joshua, over and over, God says to Joshua, do not be afraid. Why does he tell Joshua that? Because he was. You, you, you look at somebody like, like even the life of Jesus. In Jesus, the night before he dies, John 17, you can read his prayer in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you know your Bible, you know that Jesus, he's 100% God, 100% man, did not sin, endured all the temptations that we faced, but went through them without sinning. But Jesus, in his flesh, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, what does he pray? Father, if there is another way, make it happen. Why does he pray that? Because Jesus is afraid. In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, the early church gathers together and they pray for boldness. Why do they pray for boldness? Because they don't have any. (laughs) They're fresh out. They're not courageous. And oh man, these guys are awesome. No, they're not. They're people. They're people who have a relationship with an awesome God, but they are people who fight fear just like you do, just like I do. One of the people in the Bible that fought fear the most, it seems, and in just overwhelming ways, is David. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to Psalm 56. Turn it on your phone or whatever you've got. We're going to read it. I think it's going to be on the screen behind me, hopefully. And if you don't have a Bible, I say it every week, you, there's free Bibles in the back of the room there. You don't even have to ask. Just grab one on your way out. Psalm 56 was written by David when he is afraid. And, and we're going to read Psalm 56, and then after we read it, I'll come back and I'll tell everybody what the context is. But let's read Psalm 56, verses 1 through 13, the whole thing. Here we go. David says this, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. 
In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they've waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples. Oh God, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So what's happened to David in the context of Psalm 56, David has been captured. David has been captured, and here's here's the questions that are going through David's mind. David is asking himself this, what if they kill me? What if I never get out of here? What if I'm never able to go back to my old life? What if I don't make it out alive? What if I'm not okay? I mean, this is such a big deal in David's life. You can see how it's affecting him. Verse 8, David is losing sleep because of anxiety. You've kept count of my tossings. I'm up all night, scared to death. I I sleep for 30 minutes and then I'm awake for the next four because I can't stop asking myself, what if? David cries all all of a sudden out of nowhere uncontrollably. How do I know that? The next thing he says, verse 8, you've put my tears in your bottle. David is afraid. Let me ask you, let me ask you, what are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of today? Buddy, I ain't scared of nothing. Well, that's sweet. And I think you're a liar. All right? What are you afraid of? Something right now, something that that happened this past week, something that here you are, you're about to graduate high school and you don't even know how it's going to turn out when you go to that school or you don't even know if you got in to that school. What are you afraid of today? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask today the same thing that we did last week, but I'm going to flip it for this morning. Last week we talked about what does God say to your depression. Here's what we're going to do this morning. What does God say to your anxiety What does God say to your fear? And I think God says three things to your fear out of Psalm 56. So if you're keeping notes, if you're taking notes rather, here we go. Write this stuff down. You can follow along in our app if you want to, but here we go. The first thing that God says, and I love that God launches this way, the first thing that God says to my anxiety and to your anxiety is that you will be afraid. You will be afraid. Look, verse 3 again, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It doesn't say if I'm afraid. It says when I'm afraid. Now, I said this last week, and I just want to remind us one more time that David wrote this, but ultimately behind David's, word, David's words, who's talking? God is talking. And you might not agree with that. And listen, there hasn't been a time in my, I haven't, I haven't always believed that this book is inspired. You know my story. I didn't grow up in church and through a set of circumstances I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But listen, if you're here today and you don't know what you believe about this book or you don't think this book is inspired by God at all, I want you to know a couple of things. One, I want you to know I'm so glad you're here. 
And I want you know this is a safe place to ask questions. This is this is a church where it's safe to work through your doubt. You don't have to get all your questions answered and all your doubts figured out before you come to this church. I would love to talk to you about your questions and your doubts, but for the sake of time this morning, we're just gonna say what our church believes and what we've always believed and what we believe deeply, that God wrote this book. So that when, so that when you read the words on the pages of this book, this is God talking. And God says, God says through David, when I am afraid. And so here's what God is saying. God is saying, listen, you are going to be afraid. There is going to come a time in your life, repeated times over and over. God knows that you and I are going to experience in our lives some kind of fear and anxiety. See, I love this because if you have never thought of this before or this thought has never crossed your mind, I love this because here's what God wants us to know. God wants us to know that he gets it. God understands. God understands our worries, our fear, anxiety. God understands what it's like to be human. Did you know that? Did you know? God understands that we have limitations. I have, I, have, I have three kids, a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old. They have limitations. When my son Seth, as he often does, asks, says, Dad, let's go to GameStop. I don't look back at Seth and say, all right, Seth, here's the keys to the van. Go. There's a reason why 10-year-olds who steal their parents' cars get headlines. Why? Because they should not be driving. Okay? If your 10-year-old drove you here today, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Right? They have limitations. And you know what? So do I. I'm weak. I have limitations. Like I said earlier, we, we, we stayed up all night Friday night with some of our still with a lot of teenagers, and we praise God, man, that, that eight teenagers gave their life to Jesus Christ. But I'm convinced, I'm, you're clapping, but listen, I'm convinced that 3.30 a.m. isn't so much a time as it is a form of torture. It is. If you are awake at 3.30 in the morning, you're probably not doing something you're supposed to, right? You're probably either up all night at a church event or going to jail, okay, right? One of the teenagers looked at me. I think it was Hunter. He looked at me about 4.30 in the morning. He said, Mark, what have you done to us, right? Because I have limits. I need sleep, okay? I I have limits. We need to eat. We need to breathe. We're, We're dependent People, listen, in the midst of your worry and anxiety, God is not looking at us saying, I wish you would just get your act together. Right? 365 times God says in the Bible, do not be afraid. When he says that, what do you think his tone is? What do you think his tone is? How do you think God says to you, don't be afraid? Do you think that God looks at you and says, don't be afraid, you loser? That's how a lot of us think that God works. That God is angry all the time, he looks at us with his arms folded, and he wishes that we would just suck it up and get better. Right? That's how some of you think that God talks. Listen, God does not talk that way. How do I know? Because when my kids who have limitations ask me to do something that I know is beyond their, beyond their limit, they can't do it, I don't look at them and say, well, if you're hungry, make yourself something. You're five, so what? Right? Because God is a good, good father. When I am afraid, here's what God does. God gets down on my level and he says, I know you are and I love you. Right? Because that's the God that we have. See, this is such good news because this means that all fear is not sin. 
All fear is not sin. Now, you got to hear what I said. All fear is not sin, but it can cross the line into sin. Fear, say, say, how can we know? Fear crosses the line into sin. Here's a couple of ways. Fear crosses the line and becomes sin when I know God tells me to do something and I don't do it because I'm afraid. Write this down. Fear is never a good reason to disobey God. Fear is never a reason to be disobedient. I I know God wants me to share the gospel with my friends. I'm afraid of what they might say or do, so I'm not going to do it. That's not a good reason. That's not a good reason. Fear is never a good reason to disobey God. But here's another time when fear can cross over into sin. Fear crosses over into sin when I believe anxiety's lies that tell me God can't be trusted. So I I just refuse to trust him. See, we've got to watch our hearts here, church, because it is so easy to stop believing that God cares for you and that God is is watching out and in control of your life. It is so easy to stop believing that and to come to worship services like this, go through the lip service, go through the motions, and say everything and sing everything that we know we're supposed to, but inside we have stopped trusting God. You gotta watch your heart here because too many Christians can't hear a sermon or read the Bible without saying to themselves, not me. God loves other people, not me. God forgives other people, not me. God takes care of other people, not me. Listen, God gets our anxiety and fear, but that's the kind of anxiety and fear you have got to fight. And so how do you fight? So the second thing that God says, the first thing God says, listen, you're gonna be afraid, I get it, man, but here's the second thing. When you are, where will you turn? Where will you turn when you're afraid? What do you do when you're afraid? Do do you just give in to your anxiety? Do you cave into it? Do you have a strategy to fight fear and anxiety in your life? See, David had a strategy, and he's given it to us. Verse 3, we see David's strategy. When I am afraid, watch, 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 watch. When I am afraid, every time I'm afraid, every single time I'm afraid, watch, I put my trust in you. Every time, every time fear shows up, every time I'm afraid, I put my trust, I pivot and put my trust in God. Now, that doesn't mean you might not need to go to the doctor. That doesn't mean you might not get, need to get some counseling. That doesn't mean you might not need to get some medication for the re- relief of anxiety in your life. That can be a part of your fight. But over all of it, I am going to trust in the Lord. But David does something even more than that. See, I'm not saying, and David's not saying, hey, when you're afraid, just trust the Lord, man. No, here's what David is doing. David says, when I am afraid, I trust something specific about God. I trust a very specific thing about God. So verse four, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Watch, watch, watch. What can flesh do to me? Why does he say that? Where is he? He's in jail. He's at the mercy, he thinks, of other, of other people. What can flesh do to him? They might kill me. They might, prost- they, might, they, might, they might keep me in this jail forever. They might release me and then ruin my reputation. But David says this, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in the Lord. What can flesh do to me? They might kill the body. They cannot take my soul. What can flesh do to me? They can only do to me what my good, good Father in heaven who is sovereign lets them do to me. I will not look to man. I will look to God. So he trusts in God. What do you do when you're afraid? You need to trust in the Lord, but you need to trust something specific about God. See, you need an, a, a, an anxiety evacuation plan. You know what an, an evacuation plan is, right? 
right? Go to some buildings and they got an evacuation plan. Here's the exits closest to you. Something happens in the building. You need to know where that's, this exit is so that you can get out. Here's a specific way to get out. Here's how you're going to get out of this building. Too many times when anxiety and fear come into our lives, all we want is for it to stop. And so we think that's our strategy. Just make it end. We pray, Jesus, would you make this end? Jesus, just stop this in my life. Listen, as long as you and I simply try to stop anxiety and fear or any sin in our lives, as long as we simply try to stop it, we will never experience the victory that God wants us to experience. Why? Here's why. Because you don't just stop fear and anxiety. You replace it. You, repl- you take fear and anxiety's lies and you replace it with God's truth. So you have got to get a tailor-made promise from God specific to your form of fear and anxiety. So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I put some of them up here on the screen. What are you afraid of? Are you worried about money and resources? If you're worried about money and resources, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 32 to 33. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that, knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So when anxiety and fear says God doesn't know your need, Jesus says in 32, he does know your need. And seek God first, and your Father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can meet that need. And you say it, and say it, and say it, and pray it, and pray it, until you believe it. Are you, here's the next one. Look at this one. Are you afraid that God might come through in your situation? Look, Luke 12, 32, fear not. Little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Look at this next one on the screen. Are you afraid of death? John 14, 1 through 2 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? Summit, listen to me. Do not underestimate the power of this book in your life. Don't do it. Don't do it. If one word from God spoke creation into existence, what would one word from God do to your fear? What would one word from God do to your anxiety? Say, Mark, I'm believing God's word. I'm reading God's word. But, Mark, I'm still afraid. I don't feel like it's working in my life. You're still here, aren't you? Aren't you still here? Aren't you still fighting? What is that? That is God holding you up. See, Ephesians 6 tells us the armor of God. And when you read Ephesians 6, the armor of God, we've got this weapon, the sword of the Spirit that I need to use in my fight with fear and anxiety. Don't underestimate what one word from God can do to your fear. So where will we turn when we're afraid? We will turn to God. But here's the last thing, number three, and we're done. God says this to my fear and to my worry and to my anxiety. I am for you. I am for you. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. And then David says this, this I know that God is for me. That God is for me. Do you know anybody that is for you? I mean, they're just for you. Like, they are in with you through thick and thin, man. You know, I mean, I'm talking about the kind of person that you can call at the God-forbidden 3.30 in the morning, and they will get out of bed and come to help you, Right? I mean, they are like, they always have your back. They are always there for you. Do you know anybody who is for you, on your side? Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, the God of the universe is on your side. He is for you. So when anxiety says, 
What if this happens? What if this happens? And anxiety is asking you questions you don't know, just like anxiety is asking David questions that he doesn't know the answer to. David comes back to the one thing that he does know in verse 9. This I know, God is for me. I know that God is for me. Listen, this is not the only place in the Bible we see this, is it? This is not the only place in the Bible where, where we read about God being for us. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 picks up on this exact same thing. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? See, David knew a lot of stuff. David knew that God had promised him that someone from his lineage would be on the throne and be, and be Lord forever. But did you know that David did not know what you know? David did not know that that king that God promised would be God himself, Jesus Christ. David did not know that Jesus Christ would live a sinless life, die on a cross, and come back from the dead three days later. And David did not know that Jesus would face anxiety and fear head on and be victorious over that anxiety and fear so that when we battle anxiety and fear, he can carry us and bring us through it. David did not know what you know. So that we can look at it, if God is for me, well, what, what, about, what, about, what about this need that my family has? If God is for me, what about this need that my family has? Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with, it, with him graciously give us all things? If God gave us Jesus, he won't hold back on anything else if he chooses fit to give us that. Well, what if I die? What about this anxiety that just seems to overwhelm me? Romans chapter 8, verses 39 says, neither nor depth, nor death, nor anything will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So God is for you. Nothing can separate him from you, not even anxiety. Close with this and then I'm done. Close with this and then I'm done. Um, I love to fly. I love to fly. I haven't flown, I haven't flown like a lot. You know, I'm not one of those preachers that got a private jet parked up in my garage or anything like that. Uh, that's shady. Uh, but I like to fly. I like to fly. And um, I like to fly. And I haven't flown a lot, but I've flown a couple times. And, 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 I, and I really, really, really enjoy it. I remember the first time I ever flew, I was scared to death. Uh, uh, I was scared to death. My wife and I, we were flying somewhere, and I had a foolproof plan of what I was going to do if, if somebody tried to hijack our plane. I had planned on uh, standing up in the aisle when he walks by me and stabbing him in the neck with an ink pen. That sounded really good and effective. And so if your plane gets hijacked and I'm on that plane, don't worry, you're fine. Um, but, uh, but I have never, I've, ex- I've never really experienced any turbulence. Now, I've experienced some, but, but never anything significant. But I know a lot of people who have. I know, I know a lot of people who have experienced turbulence to such a degree that they were convinced, literally, they were convinced they were going to die. They, they thought there's no way the plane's going to hold together, we're not going to make it, and they just thought in that moment the plane was going to crash, and they'd kind of made, they'd made peace, actually, with the fact we're going down, we're not going to make it. And somehow that plane makes it through the turbulence. And not long after that, all of a sudden the pilot comes on the intercom and he says, we're approaching so-and-so airport, Make preparation for landing. And the wheels come down, and a couple minutes later, they made it through the turbulence, and they're safe, and they, and they land, and they get out. See, fear and anxiety can feel just like that turbulence. 
Fear and anxiety can cause your life to feel like you are 30,000 feet in the air and everything is shaking and everything feels like it is coming unhinged and you are not going to make it. Like you, are, like you, you have hit the roughest turbulence of your life. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When you go through that kind of fear and anxiety, where do you land? Where do you land? How do you make it through the other side? See, God is not telling us in Psalm 56, hey, listen, if I work for you, great, but whatever works for you to get through your fear and anxiety, that's cool too. That's perfectly fine. Just pick something that works for you. No, 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 no. God is saying that he is the only one who can calm the storm of anxiety in our lives. God is telling us that he is the only one who can carry us through the fear and the worry and the turbulence of life. God is telling us that when, he, that when life feels like it is shaking and we are coming apart and we are not going to make it, he is the only one who can hold us together. Summit, do you know God like that? Church, we have got to get out of our head that the only thing God wants us to do is take us to heaven and it's up to us to figure everything else out. No, God says, turn, turn to me whether you're afraid or not. Turn to me. That's what God says. Whether you are afraid or whether you think everything is great, I want you to turn to me. Turn to me. And for some of us, for some of you here today, turning to God means to give your life to Jesus for the very first time. It means that you are walking through one of those, si- one of those uh, seasons rather, where it feels like you're in that turbulence and it feels like everything's being torn apart. Or everything might be fine, but you just feel as if something is missing from your life. Turning to Jesus could be, it means for the very first time, you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my Savior and I want you to save me. For others of us, it might mean turning to Jesus means that you stop trying to figure this out on your own. And you stop letting Jesus be your Savior and Lord in word only. It is time for Jesus to be your functional Savior and Lord. And instead of you trying to carry the weight, realize he's the only one who can carry the weight. And you surrender and you begin to learn what it means that Jesus is your Lord. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Last week it was amazing. It was so many people came up front and just to say, you know what? I, I need prayer over this issue of depression. And maybe today God has spoken to you. And it might not even be about fear and anxiety. Maybe it's about something completely unrelated. But God has this ability to take what is being said and make it specific into your life. So that it's not even on my radar, but it's on God's radar. And right now he is ringing your bell about it. And right now, God wants to say to every single one of us in here, no matter what you're going through and what your season is, I want to walk with you through that season. I want you to turn to me for help. You know, turning to God for help sometimes means humbling ourselves in a moment of honesty and in a safe place such as this and simply acknowledge before God and people I need help. I need help. And so I don't know where you're at today. And I don't know what your season is. And I don't know what your turbulence looks like. But I know that Jesus Christ is a safe place to land your plane. And a safe place to hide your life. 
And so right now, we are going to turn to Him. And maybe this this moment was specifically designed for you to go to God and say, God, I need help. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me rather? Just bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Keep the lights right there. That's, that's pretty, right there's perfect. Perfect. God, right now, I pray for courage in this room. I pray, Jesus, for honesty in this room. Church is not a place to act like everything's okay when it's not. Because when we do that, ultimately what we miss is you. Ultimately, the person that we miss the most when we try to hide in our pride is you. That's who we miss. We cannot afford to miss you today. God, for anybody in this room today that needs help, walking through turbulence, feels like everything is about to crash. They don't know what to do. The what-ifs of life are just racing through their mind. I pray right now, right now, that in this moment, Jesus, we would, as your people, come together and turn to you for help. Because you are ready to give that help. You are a God who wants to help your people. And so God, right now, we ask for help. You know, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, we're going to do something that we haven't done in a long time, and we do this from time to time. But if you are here today, if you are here today, and you need help, doesn't matter what that help is. God knows that help, and you do. Doesn't matter what the help is. But you say, Mark, I need help today. If you are in that spot, we would love to help you fight today. We would love to help you trust today. We'd love to help you turn to God today. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, if God spoke to you today and you're, you fit that category, I need help, whatever that is, I need help. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to stand up right where you're at. You don't have to come up front, but you can just stand. Say, what's going to happen when I stand? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen when you stand. Other people are going to come together and stand around with you and they're going to lay hands on you and they're just going to pray for you. They're going to be near you and they're going to pray for you. You don't have to tell them your story. You don't have to tell them anything. But you know what? One of the ways that we can turn to God is we come to a moment like this and God's people come together and we seek God together. That's why church is not a place to act like everything's okay when it's not. So today, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, from the youngest to the oldest, don't wait. Don't wait and see what other people do. This is for you today. Maybe it's just for one person, and it's worth it if it is. But maybe it's for everybody. If you fit that category, I need help. I need help. Would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up right now. Just stand up right now. Just stand up right now. People are standing up right now. Nobody's looking around or anything like that. Just stand. I need help today. I'm I'm going to admit it. I need help. I need help. Just stand up right now. Stand up right now. All over this room, people are standing up. All over this room, people are standing up. Go ahead and stand up if you want to. Go ahead and do it. I I need help today. 
Now, here's what we're going to do. Because this is the church. We're God's people. And so here's what I want you to do. If you're a partner at Summit or you say, or you claim this is your church, maybe you haven't taken the step of partner, but you say, you know what, I'm a part of Summit. I want you to look around right now and I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to go to one of these people and I want you to stand next to them, lay your hands on them and just pray for them. Go ahead and right now do it. Go ahead and right now and do it. Go ahead and right now, get up and go. Get up and go, just get up and go. I don't want anybody that's standing, I don't want anybody standing by themselves. I want you to go to them right now. Even if you don't know them, go to them right now. Go, go, go. Talking to all the partners, talking to elders, talking to leaders. If you're a part of it, go, do it right now. Say, I've never done anything like that. Just do it anyway. Do it anyway. It's good for us. I want you to go to these people. I just want you to pray for them right now. Just go to them and pray for them right now. If you see somebody you want to go to, get up and come with them. Get up and go to them right now. You get up and go to them. Get up and go. Get up and go. We're just going to take this moment and let people pray for one another, pray over each other. You get up and you go to them right now. You get up and go to them right now. just to take this, take advantage of this time. And maybe you're sitting in your seat and you're not standing up, but you fit that category. God, I need help. Cry that out to him right now. God, I need help. God, I need help. Father, I pray for every person that's standing today. I thank you that, God, we do not have to fight alone. I thank you that you have not built us to do life on our own, try to figure it out. God, we need you, and you are the help that we need. But, God, you also use your people in our lives to help us fight that fight and to walk that path. And so, God, I pray for every person that stood up, standing in me and prayed over those that did not, that we would know today that, God, you get it and that we would turn to you because in Christ you are for us. And, Father, if there's anybody here today that's not a believer, that's not a follower of Jesus, God, I pray right now they would cry out to you. I pray right now they'd ask you for help. In fact, right now, while we're in the spirit of prayer, I just want to give you that opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't have a relationship with God, if today you know you need to be saved, then I would love for you to pray this prayer with me today. I invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today for the first time. Help me to live for you and to love you. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me and thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. No one is looking around. If you just prayed to give your life to Jesus Christ, I would love to celebrate with you today. Will you just raise your hand right now if today you prayed to give your life to Christ for the very first time? Raise your hand right now. Say, Mark, I did that today. I need to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want a relationship with him. Just put your hand up right now. If anybody in here needs to make that decision. 
God, thank you for today. Thank you for grace. God, thank you that through the turbulence of life, you carry us. We are not meant to figure it out alone. We can come to you for help. Father, I pray that, God, what we've talked about today would not end here, but it would carry on and bear fruit. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Summit, would you give God praise? And thank all these people that stood, man. That took courage to do that, man. God bless you guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. Man, I, I think that's what church is about, what we just now did. Amen? That's exactly what it's It's not about something that you go to and then we just go home and the biggest thing is are we going to Applebee's afterwards or not. Uh, we're here to love God and love people. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to dismiss. But I would love for you to take your connection card. Anything that God did in your life today, let us know about it. If you're a first, second-time guest, we'd love to connect with you today at the welcome uh, table. But guys, don't forget, next week is Mother's Day, all right? So we're excited. We're also going to begin a new series called Relationships, getting to the heart of our relationships. It's going to be a good time next week. So guys, everybody stand up. You are dismissed. God bless you guys. See you later.